Welcome to the Social Media Law Podcast. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. I'm on a crusade to help social media creators just like you understand the law and protect their artistic freedom online. Today, I'll be joined by Brandon Nankabel. Uh, He's going to talk about how he got close to, and probably by the time this uh, airs, 300,000 subscribers reading books. And we're really interested to hear about that. If at any time during the podcast, you'd like to reach me, please feel free to email me at podcast at iancorzine.com or hit me up on Twitter at iancorzine. Are you ready? It's live from Los Angeles. It's your social media lawyer, Ian Corzine. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Brandon Nankabel. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> what time is it there? And uh, you're in Australia, right? Correct. Yeah, it's 8 a.m. here. Oh, it's 8 a.m. Okay, cool. So it's just the beginning of your day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I always like to begin our podcast with a story about how your channel or your business uh, has helped someone. Do you have any stories for us listeners? Mm, sure. So I'll fill you in on the channel first and sort of what value I offer there and, and how I help people. And then I'll, yeah, I'll let you guys know and everyone listening. Um, yeah, where an opportunity popped up to help someone and that sort of turned into a business. So the, the channel is called 1% Better. And um, I started it about four and a half years ago. And I was, this was during my high school years when I was studying at university. And one day I was just scrolling through YouTube because I love YouTube as a platform, been on it for a long time. And I developed an interest in reading books, self-improvement books. And so one day I was just scrolling through YouTube and this YouTube channel popped up and uh, it was this guy doing these voiceovers and uh, he would create these sort of whiteboard style animations and he would animate the key lessons from life-changing books. And I thought this is incredible. So I followed him for many months. I was subscribed. Uh, but one day out of nowhere, he just kind of disappeared. And so for about three months, I was eagerly awaiting his next video and it never came. So <laughs> um, I'd been animating since I was a teenager, just messing around in Adobe After Effects and all these cool programs, creating special effects, explosions and whatnot. Um, so I kind of had this base skill of video editing and a little bit of animation. And so when I noticed that he had left and I had a passion for books and self-improvement, plus my skill in animation, you know, the light bulb went off and I thought, well, why don't I just do it? <laughs> why don't I make it? Um, and so that led straight into me, uh, yeah, helping the world, uh, you know, spreading these self-improvement ideas. A lot of these lessons I didn't learn in school and I was shocked that I didn't learn them. And so I was so happy to be able to, you know, just start that YouTube channel. Uh, and start sharing videos. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, that's a short story and how I started helping people. And then on the business side of things, uh, it was probably maybe a year and a half or two later. Yeah, a year and a half or two later that uh, someone came across uh, my videos and uh, they, you know, saw what I was doing there and they thought, hey, you know, I want one of these videos done for me and my business. And so uh, that was a, a business I'm very proud of. Uh, they're called Endocana Health. Shout out to Lynn May. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, 
uh, I believe it was Anya, their VP of Strategic Partnerships, who reached out to me on Facebook, somehow found my details through my About page on YouTube. And they said, hey, we've got this, you know, we've got this business where we, you know, help uh, patients uh, with their health using this sort of new endocannabinoid technology. And it's, it's, it's something that's a bit difficult to explain to the, the regular new user uh, you know, in their business or the new customers. So they reached out to me and I was able to provide them with a solution to help simplify uh, their message on this technology that they offer their customers. So I, I was very proud to be able to, to help them. And that was through developing my skills on YouTube as a creator until I could get to that point. So it was great. That's an awesome uh, double story. I want to break mm. it down from the beginning. You know, do you remember what captivated you about that person that you saw on YouTube animating key lessons from stories? What was the reason why it connected with you? Fantastic question, Ian. Um, there was so much to me in my mind. I'm a bit of a, I can be a numbers and analysis person a lot. And so I, I'm always calculating what's the ROI, what's the return on investment in terms of whether it's reading a book, whether it's doing a business activity, whether it's doing this podcast, I'm always like, all right, well, what's the ROI on this? And so I think part of the reason it connected was with sort of my brain type, it analyzes things like that. And so when I was watching these videos, like the fact that I could get like, you know, 80% of a book's content, uh, a self-improvement book. And often these books are based on, you know, it, it could be from Seneca or a Stoic from 2000 years ago, and it's time tested knowledge. And, you know, that book would say, you know, maybe it normally take me 10 hours to read or 15 hours to read. And I love reading, by the way, I still read books front to back. I love it. Over 350 books now, I track everyone. I'm meticulous. I love it. Uh, obsessed. I'm, I'm obsessed with reading. And, and so when I saw that, you know, 80% of this book's content is very well summarized, if it's well summarized, can be put into, you know, five to 10 minutes just to give you a nice outline of the book. Well, to me, the, the ROI and that was so huge, so big that, you know, I just couldn't help myself and I had to jump in and start creating these myself. So yeah, the ROI adds to my life to me was just huge for a five to 10 minute piece. Awesome. Now, do you, let's, what's the name of your channel? So everyone knows. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's 1% better. Okay. And we just type that in into the YouTube search, uh, uh, you know, browse uh, area and we're able to find that channel. Yes. If you type it in uh, all words, so one space percent space better, you'll find it will come up uh, and it's got a pinkish purplish pinkish theme. You'll see it. Awesome. Now, do you have competitors in that area on YouTube? Uh, do I have competitors? So I'd say I've been, yeah, I'd say where the the book summary channel that's been around the longest and, and stuck to the course. Uh, there have been a few on and off periods throughout the channel's mm -hmm. life. But yeah, I'd say apart from this, another channel called Productivity Game. He focuses specifically on productivity book summaries. Mm -hmm. uh, he's doing really well there. Very consistent, very impressive. So I'd say we're all sort of on a, an, an equal level there. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's just some very sort of similar channels that started out kind of doing some book summaries, but then they branched off and kind of did their own animations and they're not strictly book summaries, but still self-improvement content. So yeah, there's probably like five to 10 leaders in this sort of uh, space. And then there's two sort of main current book summary channels. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What I find really interesting about it, of course, is that, you know, we're in this day and age when we have shorter attention spans. And we're kind of sophisticated, you know, reading, especially self-help books. And I don't mean to generalize all of them, but a lot of them have great stuff. 
like five things. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's a 250, 300 page book. And there's a lot of examples. There's lots of stories and stories are good sometimes to demonstrate a point. But oftentimes you're really just kind of looking after these key lessons. And so that's why when I first talked to you, you your concept really resonated uh, with me. And also I see, you know, being close to 300,000 subscribers right now, it resonates with a lot of people. Now the question becomes, you know, it's one thing to have 300,000 subscribers and continue to build the channel, but I bet it takes a tremendous amount of effort to be able to do the animations and figure out the books that will, you know, prompt the interest. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Would you like me to elaborate on that? Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I had the luxury, I guess, of starting this when I was, you know, 20, uh, you know, at home and I just had, you know, quite a bit of free time. And I think I was, yeah, I, I did move out at one point and I was studying, um, but, you know, I dedicated more time to, you know, really what I was passionate about, which was this. So I sort of put university study on the sidelines. Um, but yeah, I'd say I had a, a fair bit of free time and that was really my main focus. So yeah, it was a lot of my personal time, especially in the beginning, just hammering it out, you know, up at nights at 2am. And it's because I wanted to, not because I felt I needed to, uh, which is the best feeling ever. Um, so that's how I got started. So I was doing one video a week and yeah, animation does take quite a long time. Um, you know, it can take, I'd say, up to an hour and a half of the voiceover to do the recording and the editing, which isn't too bad. Um, but then you've got to write the script. And then before even writing the script, you've got to synthesize the ideas and make sure, is, is my communication clear? Am I picking the right points? What do I do if a book, you know, it, it's too long and I can't fit all the points into a 10-minute video? What do I do here? How do I keep it accurate? There's so many considerations that are pretty much on autopilot now that I've learned it all. There's a lot of considerations. So that takes hours and hours just to do the synthesis. Then you've got to draft and then you've got to finalize it. Then you've got to consider the YouTube audience. You've got to consider the hook, you know, all of that yeah. stuff. I mean, you don't have to do this, but I, I do it. And I think that's why I've had the success I've had so far is because I'm meticulous about this stuff. And look, you, you can get away with it without being super meticulous like myself, but I, I definitely believe this has contributed and been a big factor. But yeah, so I started off myself and... Um, and then, yeah, the animation, like 10 hours plus at least, uh, maybe 15 hours per 10-minute video at least, like that's minimum. And now I do custom illustrations, and that takes, you know, that doubles the time as well. But we get high-quality video, uh, but I don't do that myself. I actually, I can't even draw that well, but uh, animation, <laughs> animation I can do well. So <laughs> um, so what happens now is, um, yeah, I've got, I've, I'm actually finally uh, passing off the script writing to a, a team member, which is great. Um, I still kind of like to do it myself. So I will do like the final edit and whatnot just to make sure we're really at top quality standard. Um, but yeah, the, the animation, I now have a team member doing this, the script I've just started uh, putting out to someone else. Uh, and then the custom illustrations, my sister does that. So, um, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. We get to work together and yeah, it's the best feeling ever being passionate about what we're doing. And, uh, yeah, it's just incredible. So that saves me time and uh, I can spend my time doing more you know, marketing activities, bringing in clients if they want to and explain a video done for them in our sort of whiteboard style uh, and doing strategic partnerships and whatnot on the channel. So uh, yeah, good times. Yeah, good times is right. Um, so what I really, I mean, I, I really can't wait to go into the business part, um, but I want to talk about just one other part and that is kind of what you alluded to. You know, there's just to making, you know, YouTubers, it is such a, a difficult job. It's so fun but it's such a difficult job because you have to do a lot of brainstorming about thumbnail and title and what topics and, and you know, uh, resonate with the audience. You'll get mm -hmm. the, the views, so to speak. When you first started, 
Were you concerned with resonating with the audience or were you like, listen, I love this book. I want to animate these lessons because someone's going to get some value out of it. Mm, I guess, yeah, in terms of coming up with those, you know, winning video ideas and thinking about the audience versus what I want to do and all that stuff. You know, that's a big challenge creators have. I'm sure those listening in is like, well, how do I balance this act between doing what I want to do and doing and figuring out what the audience wants and then creating that? Yeah, it's a challenge. Uh, in the beginning, you know, I feel like I had a small advantage, call it luck, call it something, but just I kind of... I felt like my eyes were open to opportunities from reading all these books. And so eventually it just, after consistency, it came into place where I saw that channel one day and everything just kind of went off. I saw that there was demand for the videos because they were getting lots of views. And I was an avid fan myself when I came across this guy doing these animations. And it was very small at the time. This was back in 2014. He was the first guy to do these animations. Mm -hmm. So there was clearly demand I could see based on the view count, the engagement, the comment section and myself as the prime subscriber who was just crazed about it. So from that standpoint, I could kind of just get an idea. And based on all the reading I'd done, I sort of had a feel for the environment of the whole book scene, what books were popular, what weren't, what really resonated, what were time tested. So, you know, I had years before I even came into YouTube of understanding the book market uh, and what resonates with people. So yeah, after seeing that, like, mm. okay, I just kind of knew I had this sense, like I know, okay, this book's coming out or this popular book's coming out or this book's a time-tested book or, you know, this creator did a, a summary on this one. What if I did one too and added my own thoughts? So in that way, like I was able from the get-go to create books that people resonated with and, and, and so that sort of helped it take off. And the fact that I, I liked these books too was just a big plus, right? So from the start, I was able to uh, have this, yeah, yeah, you know, conquer both sides, doing stuff mm -hmm. I like and then getting the stuff out that other people like. And again, that's through years of just understanding books and being a book hobbyist and then having a look at other channels, seeing what's performing well on their channels and then making similar videos. Yeah, that's there's so many concepts that you that you touched on there. That's one thing mm -hmm. that I talk to a lot of creators about is not reinventing the wheel. You know, a lot of times if it's possible to look in your area and your your competition, so to speak, uh, and be able to kind of look at the topics that really got them the notoriety and then jump on and again, not copy, but just kind of add their own spin to it. So I think that's very valuable. One of the questions I had for you, which is something that a lot of my creator clients come to me with all the time, a lot of the legal questions are, are buttressed in between this thought process. And here it is, you know, if I don't get the views, I get depressed, you know, and mm -hmm. how I help people oftentimes uh, who come to me kind of talking about that concept is I go, you know, you're putting the cart a little bit before the horse, um, you know, media really is marketing. And so a lot of times people think, the end product is the media. And I always say, well, why don't you start with the business concept first and then use the media to be what, it, what it's supposed to do, do the marketing. If you're just beholden to the media, then you're always going to, well, not always, a lot of times you're going to be depressed because you're always going to be chasing that one video that got a million views or whatever. How have you dealt with that as you've gone through and built your channel from scratch? You know, boy, that one only got a hundred views, but this one got, you know, a million views. How do you go up and down like that? Mm, so when I started, uh, I wish I had kind of the heroic story going from, you know, the rags <laughs> to riches here, but I mean, <laughs> 
Um, I I got a lot of views like straight off the bat. The first four months, I went from zero to the first thousand subscribers. And again, that's because the demand was already there. So I wasn't really thinking about views, but I did see the subscriber count just sort of slowly rising. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have that sort of heroic story. But yeah, um, yeah in terms of views. Do you get like, depressed yeah, when you get lower views on a video or do you care? I don't know, actually. Um, it, it's it's very rare. Of course, I like to see more views. Who doesn't? Yeah. But um, yeah, when you understand, like you sort of aforementioned, when you understand the business side of things, that there's channels out there running six-figure businesses and they have less than 3,000 subscribers and only like 1,000 views per video, you then, you, you know, they're onto something. And so study those people and they're out there. Um, so if you start with that, then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter whether your video gets... Like you can have a thousand view video versus a 10,000 view video and you can make, say, you know, double the money and, and serve at a, a big level, even just with that 1,000 view video compared to the 10,000. So when you understand that, it becomes less relevant as to how many views your video gets. And there's so many other factors. Like it depends, well, what type of video is it? What problem does it solve? Yeah, yeah, I can see you like nodding a lot, Ian, because yeah, well, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, here, so. well, if the yeah. audience is not, if there's some big issue in, in the world and, and it, it, it swallows up your topic. I mean, there's so many factors uh, mm. besides your quality. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I, I totally agree with you. And, and kind of speaking, switching over to the business approach, you know, I, I hear from you that over time, then you kind of develop this business where you could actually do animated videos uh, privately. So you would come, someone, a corporation or a person would come to you and say, I want to convey these concepts. Can you do an animated video? Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And did, do you, did you have in mind, you sound like you're sophisticated when you started. So did you have in mind that eventually this channel of value for people who are watching w could become a, a business in which you make videos for people? Uh, great question. Uh, no, not at all, actually. Um, I didn't plan this from the ground up. I just decided, hey, I'll become a big YouTuber. I'll get that 100,000 subscribers yeah. and yeah. get that silver play button yeah, and then I'll, yeah. I'll be rich as hell and, you know, I'll never have to work again and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, of course, that, that didn't quite happen. You realize when you get to 100,000 that you, you can't simply be relying on ad revenue. It doesn't work that way unless you're getting a real butt ton of views. Um, <laughs> Let me use that word in, in daily speech, but ton. I like that. But ton. Yeah, there you go. It's a new <laughs> one for you. Um, yeah, no, I think it was, yeah, again, maybe 18 months through two years. I think 18 months through that I think, yeah, Anya first reached out to me and uh, it didn't even occur to me, but she, she said, uh, hey, uh, would you like to do a video for us? And uh, I go, oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah. that was, that was, yeah, the first thing that happened. And then later on, uh, authors started reaching out to me, obviously, because I do book wow. summaries and they go, Oh, I'd love a book summary. So yeah, now I work with authors, but yeah, it wasn't planned out at the start. It sort of just came along naturally after yeah, just pursuing it, being consistent with these videos. Now you and I've had this conversation offline, but you know, did you ever, uh, how did you come up with a, a pricing strategy? <laughs> Cause I think this is kind of a new business, right? Mm, yeah, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I hope I can say hell on this podcast. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what the hell I was doing uh, when I started. Uh, so I just sort of made up a, a random number. And um, and uh, then they, they said yes. And when they say yes really fast, you know that, ah, oh, damn, maybe, maybe I could have priced up more or something I could have done differently here. Yeah. Um, and just through iteration and a bit of mentorship, I sort of... What did I do to come up with my pricing? Yeah, I, I 
one thing that helped me was sort of seeing what competitors charge in my space. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm just going at this alone with my eyes closed and a blindfold on. You don't really know what people are willing to pay. And then also understanding who you're serving. So each client can be a little different. I'm still sort of refining my client, but these days it's, yeah, it's authors with self-improvement books. But at the time I was just kind of, you know, just kind of anyone or whatever, because that's, I guess, what you do when you start business, or at least what I did just, all right, I'll say yes, let's go. (laughs) Uh, Let's get in there. So yeah, also understanding, yeah, what kind of the the going rate is for other people. And so, yeah, as each project uh, came to me, I started just raising my prices and then mentors helped me sort of understand the value of really what I'm offering and then seeing, understanding the client more. And so I was able to, yeah, jump up the price and um, still offer great value and not have any resistance from the client. Um, but yeah, even now I'm still raising my prices even more as uh, you know, the channel continues to grow as I uh, grow my mindset around positioning and things of that nature. So, yeah. Trial and error. Hey, listen, you don't get to close to 300,000 subscriptions, and I don't care who you are, um, without doing a lot of work, making a lot of mistakes, learning along the way. You know, my audience is mostly creators. Uh, They're people who need to understand the law. They need to understand the rules. And so they come to me for help with that. You know, speaking to that right now, are there any, are there like, I was going to ask you, are there top three things you could let my audience know about as far as what you encountered uh, when you were growing your channel and what, you know, mistakes you learned from? Mm, so here, here are my top three tips. Number one is start off by treating the YouTube channel like a business instead of just a YouTube channel. Now I'm hearing the creators out there like saying, you know, oh, I'm a creator, like I'm not a businessman and all this stuff. Yes. Uh, but believe me, you don't have to see yourself as the typical, I don't know, suit and tie businessman or some corporate guy or something like this, okay? You can you can still treat it like a business so that, you know, later on this will serve you. I mean, there's a variety of reasons we've discussed in this podcast, but and this is sort of a longer conversation, but mm-hmm. if you treat it like a business now, you're going to be less worried about view count for one thing, which we discussed earlier, because you know you could make money through other ways outside of just AdSense, and we don't want to rely on AdSense. Um, so there's there's that one advantage. Um, and then it also sort of forces you to, in a way, I guess, be a little bit more structured. And again, I know if there's creatives listening, they go, I don't want structure. You can still design a structure for your videos and how you release content, how you make content and things like that. Uh, but just have sort of a loose sort of structure. But yeah, having a business in mind, it sort of gives mm-hmm. you some kind of goal, like, okay, here's who I'm serving and whatnot. So I won't harp on on that. I'm sure maybe you'll talk more about this in other podcasts, Ian, or whatnot. Yeah. But yeah. That, is, that is like tip number one, treat it like a business instead of just being a sole creator. Uh, number two is, this is, I learned the hard way and uh, a lot of YouTube experts would agree with me here, but don't serve multiple different audiences on one channel with a bunch of different videos. It's really hard to grow when you're trying to serve three different types of completely different people on one channel. And you might say, hey, I'm super passionate about cooking, but I'm also super passionate about space exploration. If you put them both on one channel, you're really gonna have a hard time. The algorithm's not gonna like you and you shouldn't just serve the algorithm all the time, but the algorithm does help. And serving the algorithm has been a big part of my success. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so don't serve multiple audiences. Uh, my audience category is still kind of broad, but we're all sort of, you know, young young 20s males, according to my demographics, and we're all into self-improvement. So we've got that. Um, and that works. Anytime I go outside of that, things just, they, they go down and it's yeah. much better to be put on a second channel. So that's my second tip. I like that. Uh, be focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number three, 
be relentless about making the first minute of your video as engaging as possible. Uh, as you know, yeah, people, uh, you know, on social media, even, you know, those listening, when you're, think about it, when you're on YouTube, you know, you're not hanging around, like you're, you've gone through things pretty fast, unless there's creators you already love and you trust them and you like them, et cetera. But you come across a new video and they don't get straight to the point or anything, or they don't bring you in, then you just go off and you click on another video. Yeah. So from a creative perspective, I highly recommend be relentless about that first minute, study what other uh, big YouTubers do. What are they doing to hook you in uh, and really study that. And every video I make, at least is, this is what I do is I'm relentless about, yeah, really tapping in and resonating with the audience's problem and, and showing them how I can solve them to get them amped to watch the whole video. Yeah. You know, I, since the old days, you know, 2006, 2008 and 10 of YouTube, YouTube and social media has markedly changed. Um, it is now a platform where you have to be disciplined. You have to be diligent to succeed. A lot of people, you know, have a problem with that, but a lot of people are, are excited by that because a lot of times the harder you work, the more consistent you are, the better you do on the platform. And, and you are a shiny example, Brandon, of, of that. It's, um, it, you, I, love, I love your, word, your use of the phrase um, or the word relentless. I agree with that. I think that that is something that it has to happen. People don't understand that. And oftentimes that's the edge between a person being smart and having great thoughts and a person being a little bit less smart, but being relentless and being mm -hmm. consistent and really trying to hone in on what the viewer needs. It's YouTube is the truest expression, I think, of, of audience attention. And so I just think your, your, uh, your YouTube channel and your business strategy are just an exemplar uh, that many creators uh, in the audience could really use to their advantage. So, Brandon, I'm really happy that you made time for us. Thank you for getting up a little early to do this podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you very much for having me. Appreciate hey, it. I uh, just wanted to, uh, let's mention your channel one more time and also your social media links so I can have my audience uh, follow you and watch your videos. Mm -hmm. Sure thing. Um, so the YouTube channel that I run, uh, that's called, again, 1% Better words just type it in you'll find it or i'm not sure if you're including links around the podcast notes I or something will. like that in. Them in the description yes yep cool so that'll be in the podcast notes uh description one percent better uh and then the best way to reach me um is on linkedin so if you just type in my name brandon nankerville again there'll be links in the podcast notes but there's brandon so b-r-a-n-d-o-n and then a nankerville that's n-a-n-k-i-v-e-l-l -L. And yeah, on my LinkedIn page, you'll find all of my business links if you're interested in any of that stuff. Uh, and yeah, if you just want to say hi, uh, reach out. Um, and yeah, I'll be happy to connect. Well, thank you, Brandon, so much for sharing with us. And I appreciate those tips. We're going to follow them and then we're going to be as successful as you, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, go hard, be consistent. You can do it. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for listening to today's podcast. I hope you got some value out of today's talk. As a reminder, go to iancorzine.com to get any answers to your social media law questions. Please remember to subscribe to the Social Media Law Podcast with Ian Corzine. And if you could rate on Apple Podcasts, our podcast, so we can you can help us skyrocket up the charts. All right, that's enough for today. Oh, the, coup the coupon code is IANBIG20, IANBIG20. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and I'll see you all next week.